Hello and welcome to the first podcast for the Moonshine Moonshot podcast for 2024 and this is also podcast number 90 and I'm really excited to be talking to you today because I thought perhaps we could get into where to begin your film career. Are you going to freelance? Are you going to work for others? Or are you going to run your own show? Or are you already doing one of these and want to move into another option? So if you're considering running your own show, go you, because I don't think that I ever made a conscious decision to pursue the path of running a business. But here I am after many years of study, followed by many years of freelancing, and Moonshine Agency is now in its 14th year of business. So how did I get here? And why would knowing my backstory help you on your journey. Well, my aim through this podcast is to help other filmmakers learn from the work that I do. And there is a lot that they don't teach you at film school. And there is also a lot of old school thinking on how to approach filmmaking. So I am sharing what I know and what I do and how I go about it, because that could help you learn. But also, it could help you bust open some doors that you may have found closed until now. Welcome to the Moonshine Moonshot Podcast. I'm your host, Sue Collins. And if you've landed here, it means you're wanting to find out more about how to make filmmaking a sustainable career. And you're also curious about how to make meaningful work that fills your cup. You're ready to learn how to make movies that matter, build a sustainable career and have a positive impact on your audiences so you are in the right place. Filmmaking has so many parts and I'm sharing what I've learned over the past 15 years producing impact films that reach their intended audience and support real world change. So let's get started. So to kick off the 24 round of podcast, I am giving you my origin story. Okay, come on. Who does not love an origin story? I still remember seeing Batman Begins in cinemas in Japan, and I loved how involved the audience became clapping and cheering and generally being rowdy. It was a pretty interesting cultural experience seeing cinema in Japan, and it was a great way to see the film Batman Begins and have that memory. And it was definitely one of my favourite origin stories. And the other one that really comes to mind as an origin story is the 1993 version of Wild Zaragoza Sea, which was directed by John Dugan and left a huge impression on my teenage self because that film blew my mind. After suffering through Jane Eyre in high school English, The idea that there could be an origin story that was not excruciatingly boring was frankly a huge relief and it opened my eyes to how adaptation and the origin of stories work in storytelling more broadly. And I haven't seen Wild Zaragoza Sea since since 1993 and Given what an impression that left, I wonder if I'd even enjoy it if I watched it now. And I also apologise to any of you Jane Eyre fans that are out there because I know it is wildly popular. It's just not my thing. So back to the point, the origins of how did I get to here. And by here, I'm a co-owner of a successful impact film production house that produces movies that matter for over 14 years. 
And by making movies or films that matter, I mean that they have a specific purpose beyond entertainment or education. Our films are designed to make an impact and support movements and help progress important social issues. And this was a very deliberate decision to pursue producing this type of content. My partner Mike Hill and I started Moonshine Agency in 2010 and to date we've released 10 impact feature films, thousands of short films, we've won dozens of awards and we have a small team based in our office here in Melbourne, Australia. We've travelled to dozens of countries to film our documentaries and the main focus area that we have is health. Think global health, uh, not so much health and fitness. But we also have hundreds of thousands of, our, our films, should I say, have helped to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations, inspired audience members to change careers and helped educate audiences on the importance of things like access to palliative care or vaccines or how to get a cervical screening. So that's all been in the last 14 years and we are growing and there is definitely no shortage of socially important stories to tell. When we started, did we know where we'd be now? Did we plan it? Well, no is the short answer and I'm not saying that just to be flippant, but It's just not where I started. It has been a journey and now, a few years on, we do have a very clear and very specific set of goals for the business. But when you start out, I am not sure that you can be that focused or decisive to really know where you're going to end up. So don't get me wrong, I think you need direction and I think you need to know what you want to achieve in the short term with a view to the long term. But when you're getting started, I think you can really clip your wings by trying too hard to stick to a particular focus or direction. For example, if you're dead set that you want to write and produce feature drama, but the opportunities that present are in comedy or series or documentary and you turn them away because they aren't where you desperately want to head, you could be closing doors that will ultimately lead you to where you want to go. And I think it's kind of like a form of self-pigeonholing and I see a lot of people do this, not just in film but in all different types of careers. And there are so many ways you can get pigeonholed by other people that You just don't need to be doing it to yourself. And the film industry, particularly in Australia, really likes to put people in boxes. Most screen agency funding does require that you choose to either be a writer, a director, a producer, a cinematographer, and they don't accept that you might be capable of all of these roles depending on the work that you are producing. So why can't you be a writer, director, producer, and also a skilled cinematographer? Sure, I get the old adage of jack of all trades, master of none, and there is definitely truth in that. But if you're not trying to be a world-class cinematographer, but you are, do know that you're, you, you know your way around a camera, you understand lighting and you know how to prep and run that part of a shoot, well, why can't you have that skill and put it to use on your own films? At the least, it will make you a stronger collaborator with any cinematographers that you hire or work with because you'll have a better understanding and appreciation for what they do. I think to really get into this, I need to go back a step further in how I got to here. 
When I went to uni, I went to the Victorian College of the Arts and I studied stage production. And I graduated as a stage manager and a production manager. And I worked in theatre for, well, quite a while. But I always had this fascination with film. And even when I was in my final year at uni, I snuck into the film school and produced a student film. And I've, I'm really grateful to the head of production who allowed me to do that because that wasn't part of my course. And it turned out I was the first student to ever cross disciplines during an undergrad. And I still don't understand why, because they seem like complementary fields of creativity. It's all storytelling. So when I graduated, I worked in theatre And I loved, as I always had, being in rehearsal, watching directors shape the actors and bring scripts to life. I love the thrill of the opening night, of being part of making the show run smoothly, but I did not love the endless runs of shows. Same show, night after night, up to eight performances a week, including matinees, and I did not love the lack of funding or doing everything on a shoestring. I did not love the starving artist mentality and I did not love how hard it often was to fill the seats in the audience with um, eager audience goers. Performing to handfuls of audience members is really going hard and I also just did not love working nights. So I found myself working more and more in event management, running festivals for local councils and that kind of thing. And again, very dull from my perspective. It it certainly honed my skills, but there's not much storytelling. And still I had this itch to work in film. So I knocked on doors, a lot of doors, And I met with every local production company until finally someone took a chance on me. And after all my experience, because after all, my experience in film was very limited to that point, but I got a start in a production management and I worked on quite a variety of films and TV shows. Yes, TV. And that helped me to figure out and learn about making that type of content. But the skills for production management for theatre, events and film are actually really similar. It's just understanding the needs of the different mediums. But organising stuff, well, it's just that. It's organising. And that's around when I met Mike. And he was running a production company that focused on pop culture content, things like skateboarding and surf documentaries. It was loads of fun, surfing events in Fiji and making documentaries about skateboarding. And we made a really fun film together that Mike directed called The Man Who Sold the World. And it tells the story of a larger-than-life Steve Rocco and a reverent genius who transformed the skateboard industry from corporate to skater-owned with a do-it-yourself punk attitude. And as I'm saying this, I'm scratching my head and realising just how much we may have been influenced by the thinking of Steve Rocco that we were exposed to when we were making that film. And it was a really fun film to make. Mike and I spent three months in Los Angeles interviewing and like a complete who's who of the skate industry, including some very interesting people like Larry Flint, who'd published one of Rocco's skate mags. And I was filming on one camera and Mike was interviewing. And we were often filming up to three interviews a day and driving from the southern end of South Bay or Orange County all the way through Hollywood to the valley on the other side of Los Angeles, all in a day, and it's hundreds of miles we'd clock up. 
And coming from a theatre background, I was really used to that kind of guerrilla style production working on a shoestring budget. So that was really how I cut my teeth on documentary film production. We were a two-man crew, filming, planning, data management, and it was back in the days of tape. And we had one of those original portable Magellan navigation systems in the car and it just kept breaking down. It couldn't stay connected to the internet. And so I got really good at reading maps. And that's a skill that Google Maps has made completely redundant. But it also bonded Mike and I as a filmmaking team because if you can do that kind of production for three months, including map reading, you can frankly do just about anything together. And that was really the start. So how do we go from pop culture films to making movies that matter on a deeper societal change level? Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with content for entertainment. I love it and I consume a lot of it. But what we do now for me is so much more rewarding. And it was 100% unplanned. Mike had had a journalism background and I'd worked in a lot of socially conscious theatre productions. So when a story landed on us that was much more serious in nature, we were both really open to it. And the topic was essentially a global health story on end-of-life care. And we took that chance to work on it and that became the film The Life Before Death and that was our first impact film and it was a turning point. When we began, we went to the usual funding pathways like broadcasters and we could not get any interest and we felt really passionate about telling this story. And just to clarify, it was about the global crisis in access to opioids for pain relief. And you may not be aware, but 80% of all people can't access essential pain medicines and that means millions of people die each year in extreme pain somewhere on the globe. Now, this film would be a very different film if we made it today because of the epidemic of drug abuse through things like OxyContin. But essentially, our film was about pain relief and access to palliative care. And we had to make a really different approach to get the film made. And that experience was the genesis of how we now produce all of our films. So to loop back to how this is relevant to you, If you let broadcasters, screen agencies and funding bodies put you in a box, pigeonhole you and tell you how to do things the way they've always been done, you are on a path to being a very frustrated filmmaker and if we had listened to that, which we heard over and over again, we would never have produced Life Before Death and possibly wouldn't have started our own production company and we wouldn't have produced the subsequent work that fills our cups and has become rewarding career-wise. Oh, I was just looking for a place where I could learn everything I need to know to make an amazing film that changes the world. It's such a shame that that place doesn't exist. Oh, what? Hang on. It does? Oh, if you're looking for inspiration, ideas, tools and ways to learn how to make movies that matter... Head to Moonshine Communications Academy over at Instagram and all your problems will be solved. Warning, results may vary depending on the questions and success is not guaranteed. Always read the label. Magic is anecdotal and the genie is not included. It's extremely difficult to follow the old funding model or financial plan available in Australia and that consists of attaching a broadcaster, securing funding from screen agencies 
both state and federal, and then attaching a distributor to get your film out to the world. If you have been trying to do that, then you know what I'm saying. I once had a commissioning editor tell me that he says no to 100 proposals for every one that he green lights. They are not good odds. And even it's even harder when you don't have a track record. So don't get me started on distributors. So you need to, there's just so much you need to know about distribution deals before you do one. But that is a whole different episode. So what do you do? That is what this podcast is about. So far, there are 90 episodes sharing ways you can go it on your own. But here are a few of the options. You can run your own show. You can work for someone else. And you can freelance. There are pros and cons to all of these. And if I was just starting out, I personally would lean to freelancing. Freelancing on a variety of productions and get a feel for what you like and what you're really good at, what sort of people you like working with, and hopefully get exposed to some great talent that you can learn from and build your networks. I don't think running your own show should be your first stop. Unless you are a natural-born entrepreneur and have a great business acumen, there is just too much to learn, and raising finance is not an easy task. As I mentioned, the old ways of attaching finance are really hard going and I have seen many filmmakers with only one project shopping their film at the same conferences year after year, making a very slow, if any, progress. So I think working for someone else is also a really good option. The difference between doing that and freelancing is that freelancing is usually shorter contracts. Working for someone else could be a year or more with one employer and working on a variety of projects for that one employer. Our Business Moonshine Agency has a core team working with us in this exact way, but we also do have freelancers from time to time, but they're usually more in post-production or senior editing or music composition. There's no right or wrong path, but there is keeping your path open to opportunities and not being doggedly focused on one goal so that you miss out on, you know, things without even knowing it. So I think there's a few questions that you could ask to help you work out where you want to start. One of those would be, how much real experience do you have? Is the bulk of your experience from film school and volunteering on other people's short films, or have you already produced a film or documentary? How strong are your networks? Do you have people you can call on to get some work on their projects and build your experience that way? How much funding have you raised to date? How much experience do you have in financing? Is this your first film or have you already been working for a few years and feel ready to run your own show? How good are you at working for other people? Now, I am not being sassy asking this. I found that I personally was not the best employee beyond short-term contracts or freelancing. I found that I got really frustrated having to answer to someone else or being constrained by their way of doing things, and I wanted to do things my own way. I always have done, and I can work under others, and sure, I have done for years, but to thrive, I need to be my own boss. How are you at handling being responsible? Do you like having the buck stop with you? Taking responsibility for everything, including paying other people's wages, which is their livelihoods. If you're sheepish about taking on that level of responsibility, you may not be quite ready to run your own show. Or maybe 
you do need to and that's how you're going to level up. So maybe just have a think about that. It's really important to consider your financial responsibilities in all of these decisions because if you're not paying a mortgage and you don't have family to support and you have some freedom with your financial status, then it could be a good time to plunge into producing your film on all all on your own terms and then building it into a production company. But if you need a steady income, then perhaps for the time being, working for someone else and building your skills is the way to go for now. Look, whatever you decide, the main thing is that you start and you get going. It's the doing nothing that's the worst. You don't want to be one of those starving artists sitting around talking about the film you're going to make one day. You want to be on the journey, have your foot firmly in the door or nothing will happen. So over the next few months on this podcast, I'm going to dive into loads of different areas. I always speak to things that I've done myself or I have a solid knowledge in. And I don't think it's because frankly, I just don't think it's helpful to learn from people who are regurgitating what they've heard others say. You should teach from experience. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck hearing all the same stuff you hear at film school, but none of the stuff you don't learn at film school. And believe me, there's a lot of that. So because most film courses focus on the craft and not on the business side of producing, Things like how to raise finance, how to run a production company, how to work with a distributor without having to hand over all your rights, how to hire a crew, when to pursue a project and when to put it on hold, how to build audiences for your films and independent distribution. Should you use a festival strategy or sell direct to a broadcaster? There are just some of the topics that I'm going to dive into over coming episodes. And I've already talked a lot about some of these things in past episodes. So please come on this journey with me and let's build a thriving community of filmmakers making their own path to success. And I'll be back next week. And it would be extremely helpful in the meantime if you could head over to Moonshine Communications Academy on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and leave me a comment and let me know what topics you'd like to learn more about. About. And then I can tailor this podcast more to answer the questions that you have. So thank you for tuning in and please share this podcast with any of your filmmaking friends. And ah, another thing, let me know what your favorite Origins movies are because I'm really curious because I love an Origins film. So till next week, keep creating. Thank you for joining me today and every week here on the Moonshine Moonshot podcast. If you're wanting a deeper dive into the topics being discussed on the show, then I would encourage you to head over to moonshinecommunicationsacademy.com and sign up for the weekly drop of Moonshine via your email. Being on our newsletter community means we can support your filmmaking journey in a more tailored way, as well as keeping you up to date with the resources we share on how to make movies that matter and so much more that we deliver inside your inbox every single week. So head over to moonshinecommunicationsacademy.com and at the bottom of the homepage, you'll see a little box to add your email address. And as a thank you for signing up, we'll also send you a bonus ebook to support your messaging. So voila, you'll be on the way to receive all the best content weekly. 